Welcome to The Weekly. My name is Trevor. I'm one of the pastors at the Church of Greer Station and your host. The Weekly is a podcast devoted to books, current events, and issues relevant to the life of our church. Now, what should we do about those things that Christians disagree on? Not major theological issues like end times or the nature of baptism and the Lord's Supper, but those third-tier issues, things like dress, food, or kids' schooling, media consumption. How should we think about these things? And more importantly, what should we do when those things come into conflict with other well-meaning, Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Christians? This week I have Bryce Harrison and John Hyatt on to talk about this issue. Uh, Give it a listen. I hope that it's encouraging and challenging to you, and hope that the Lord would use it to help you think well about your conscience. We all know Kylo Ren has what it takes to kill Thanos. Indeed. And these are the sorts of things we're going to talk about on the podcast today. So uh, today with me, I have Bryce Harrison and John Hyatt. Greetings, fellow nerds. What's up? We were, we were just complaining about Marvel and Star Wars. Um, we, should, we should probably be, um, I don't know, embarrassed by the fact that we're emotionally invested in movies about laser swords and men dressed in metal armor suits that fly around and shoot aliens it's a conscience issue it's a conscience issue what a segue what a segue well before we before we jump into that what is uh, let me ask you this what is one thing that you're really into that's no one else is going to understand that that's like super nerdy a little bit embarrassing something that you're really into and and let me also say don't humble brag don't take this as the opportunity to say well i i like reading dead theologians that's so nerdy aren't i so intelligent don't don't do that. So think of something that's genuinely nerdy, genuinely embarrassing to spread to the masses. I think for me is when everyone asks, like, what what type of music do you most frequently listen to? Expecting one of the typical music genres to come. And I have to admit that the vast majority of the time I'm listening to Broadway musicals and Disney soundtracks in my car. That's pretty embarrassing. Singing, singing quite loudly. So that that would have to be that would have to be it for me. Shanna's making an appearance on the podcast. Sh- Shanna, I have the computer for you. Yeah, take that. Thanks, Bryce. Um, John, what about you? What's your legitimately embarrassing, legitimately uh, nerdy kind of guilty pleasure? Hmm. Hmm. Um. I want to blame my wife for this, but so my wife watches a lot of Japanese cartoons and I have a detached interest in them, but I totally keep up with absolutely every detail of what's going on and yeah. um, all genres. When you say Japanese cartoon, I mean, do you mean like anime? Oh yeah. She's totally into anime. Totally into it. And, when, I, you, and I, when you say your wife, do you mean Taylor or Connor Hitz? <laughs> Um, I'm gonna plead the fifth on that. <laughs> you definitely have a, a, a I don't know, taste. Uh, you know, a, in roommates. Yeah, roommates, wives. Yeah. You're consistent, at least. <laughs> what would my What would my nerdy, kind of embarrassing thing be? My wife could probably tell you. What would mine be? I mean, the fact that you have a skull that sits behind you on your mantle behind your desk probably that's a little doesn't help matters adam cooper just says it's pretentious just everything i do is pretentious so i don't know 
Like, oh, yeah, th- here's something that's totally embarrassing. I legitimately enjoy going to, like, antique stores. And that feels like such a chick thing to do. Like, such a girl thing to do. But I... That's kind of girly. I enjoy it. I like the history that's wrapped up in the various items one can find at an antique store shop. Hmm. So shoot me. Shoot me for appreciating my forebears. <laughs> that's what my grandmother says when she watches Antiques Roadshow, too. <laughs> yeah, and, like, um, American Pickers, totally into that. Uh, even though it's probably super fake. Um, so all of these things, as John mentioned, are, are issues of conscience. These are uh, these are things that we can agree to disagree on because the Lord has graciously um, made this provision for us in the giving of the conscience. So uh, help me understand that a little bit. When, when we talk about the conscience, we talk about the liberty of the conscience as it's outlined in our statement of faith. What are we talking about? So I think one, we're just recognizing the fact that um, that there is a certain order to the way that God has hardwired the world, um, but then there's also just kind of the reality of biblical wisdom that seeks to live within that governed order um, and navigate navigate some of the gray areas. Not everything is super black and white, um, and while we wouldn't say that that truth and and right practice is relative. There are situations where um, wisdom just has to be applied differently in different situations based on who you are and where you come from and what the situation looks like. And so those liberty of conscience issues are just areas where biblical wisdom may need to be applied differently um, in order to still kind of pursue the same end of faithful biblical obedience and uh, conforming to, to God and his character. So you make an important distinction there, that there are um, timeless truths and timeless realities and things that are like woven into the fabric of the universe and that come from God's um, good moral ordering of things. But then there's other things that are a little bit trickier. There's things that are not quite as clear, things that require wisdom, as you said, and things that exist in between the black and white, things that are gray. What would be an example of something that would be a liberty of conscience issue? Something that might fall into a gray area? Um, a biblical example that I can think of, and one that I think has some bearing now in, in different contexts, but still falls under the conscience thing, is, is food. Mm. Um, what, what certain people choose to eat. Um, in Paul's day, it especially had to do with whether meat was offered at, um, as sacrifices to idols and then sold in the market, but um, for us, it'd be issues of, um, you know, organic food, mm. um, meat, no meat, um, all of those things. It can be easy for us to either become very um, kind of snobbish with our reading on that or very mm. dismissive of folks for, for having those kind of restrictions that aren't caused by, you know, medical conditions or whatever. But I think it's, it's ultimately a, a liberty of conscience issue. It's not something that there's hard and fast rules on, but we can respect each other's consciences and their convictions on those things it's amazing how food is it's amazing how we do that with food how we can be mm-hmm. so weird about our food and so judgy with our food um, and it, it just seems like that's kind of a perennial issue for humans like I it, you know it, it doesn't matter what direction you fall in like you can be judgy about someone who doesn't who can't wrap their brain around eating five guys or you can be judgy about someone who does eat five guys right like it, it doesn't matter which side of the issue you're on we have a tendency to to want to um be legalistic concerning food um and want to judge others on the basis of the things that they choose to eat um 
I was expressing that my frustration around that to Elizabeth a couple months ago and then uh, had to embarrass her by us going through a McDonald's drive through me rolling down the window at the stoplight and loudly announcing I'm eating McDonald's and I like it. <laughs> that reminds me of Jim Gaffigan talking about going to McDonald's. Uh, if you've never watched Jim Gaffigan talk about McDonald's, it's the best. Well, I guess it's probably a liberty of conscience issue. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm going to edit all of that out of the podcast. <laughs> um, what would be some other examples? So things that we eat, that's a that's one that seems to always be uh, an issue. What about things like media consumption, like watching The Avengers or um, watching Jim Gaffigan or whatever it might be? How, how does that kind of fit into this discussion? Yeah, so I mean, I think... Um... Similar, so I think that the interest, the thing that you have to remember with all of these is that just because there's liberty of conscience doesn't mean that still within those areas there aren't still some um, strict guidelines of obedience within those. So with media consumption, there's some flexibility and there's some um, variance in in how we can consume media, what type of media we consume, what type of things we enjoy, to what level we can participate in them. But there's still going to be some pretty clear out of bounds. Um, And there's also going to be some areas that of things that we could consume or ways that we consume that that just aren't wise. Um, And that's going to be pretty universal across the board. Um, so, so with all of these areas, um, whether it's food or media consumption or, or politics or, or things that we want to care deeply about, uh, it's important to recognize that there's some clear guidelines that kind of run parallel to questions of wisdom and, and freedom of conscience that we kind of have to hold at the same time and say these things are objectively true. Here's where... Uh, Here's where the biblical counsel and wisdom kind of seems to to leave it up to me to make some judgments in this area. That's that's good. That's an important point. Like when we when we talk about liberty of conscience, we're not saying you have license to uh, be thoughtless and reckless. Like we we want to acknowledge in in affirming the liberty of conscience as a thing. We want to acknowledge that there there are gray areas, and the Lord alone is the God of the conscience, the Lord of the conscience, um, not expectations of people around you um, or, or cultural expectations of how one is to behave. Um, and because the Lord is the Lord of the conscience, it's important for us to still seek the Lord even in those gray areas to seek like what would obedience to the Lord look like um, even if I feel like I have freedom to you know watch Jim Gaffigan or the Avengers or Star Wars or whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, What about when your liberty of conscience comes into conflict with my liberty of conscience? What do we do then? Do the scriptures speak to that? Yeah, I think they do. Um, I think there's a, a principle where that we kind of see play out just in our lives where, um, and we're kind of just hinting at it, that that we can kind of be easily offended um, by... The actions of others um, we can take offense and um, Paul actually actually kind of goes to lengths to say that we need to be aware of that for others um, both we need to be aware that, that our actions even if we feel free from things um, people's own past experiences past struggles that they've had they might, it might make them more susceptible to something that you feel free 
um, from um, food, watching a certain kind of show, listening to a certain kind of music, um, could actually cause someone else to think, um, you know, to, to remember their past guilt, to, to dwell on, on things that they've done before that were sinful or unwise or foolish um, in those areas. And so he kind of lays out a principle that we need to be um, not using our liberty of conscience as a, as a weapon to beat others down with, um, but something that we can um, have confidence in the Lord before, um, but also being mindful of the weaknesses of others. And it seems like kind of the general rule of thumb that that Paul kind of seems to put forward is that is that in those situations it seems it seems wise and it seems prudent for the party who's maybe more mature in their walk with Christ, um, more more established in their discipleship, to kind of seed those areas of of liberty of conscience to the to the weaker brother, to the younger and more immature. Um, not because they have a right and are in, entitled to do so, but simply because um, that seems to be a sign of, of discipleship to be able to to seed an area of, of conscience for the for the benefit of, of your brother. Yeah, Paul writes this in Romans fourteen. He says, Let no one excuse me, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. All right, so there's no, like you, you prefer five guys to um, veggie platters. Um, and that, like, they're, the wisdom guides that, but one is not necessarily more clean or less clean, morally so, than the other. However, if your brother is grieved, verse 15, if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. So he's saying there exactly what you just said. Like if, if um, my um, convictions around food come into conflict with your convictions around food and my convictions are stronger and I, and I feel more free to eat more, I would actually be doing damage to the growth and development of my weaker brother by indulging in that, sort of thoughtlessly and lovelessly indulging in that is the point that Paul makes. So does this mean that we should never challenge people to grow in their conscience? That if they have a weak conscience about a certain issue that we should never challenge them out of that weakness? I don't think it means that, but I do think it challenges the way we go about it. Hmm. Um, we don't we don't cure someone of their weak conscience by beating their conscience up until it's stronger, or like um, teasing and jabbing and peer right, pressuring, right? Um, because I think Paul's re- recognizing here that this is it can be legitimately harmful to other people. Um, but at the same time, he does want people's consciences to be free. You know, he says. The kingdom of God isn't a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So what he ultimately wants us to have is peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I think what that, at least in my mind, what that kind of points us to is being able to um, kind of sympathize with the fact that other people might not feel um, at ease with certain things. And we have to be content with the fact that, you know, the Lord may never relieve their conscience in that particular issue. But that we can actually talk to them and say, you know, like, um, I know like that this 
you know, kind of bothers you, like, you know, just help me understand, like, kind of where you're coming from. Like, I, I want to be able to love you well in this area and um, just kind of address the elephant in the room that we kind of land differently on this thing. But this isn't me trying to prove you wrong. It's me trying to know how to, to love you well. And then I think as we begin to see each other's perspectives on it, I think it can help us kind of move forward. Um, and that might be really transformative for that person to be able to hear, like, okay, like, this guy's a great guy, like, he, he actually loves me, he supports me, um, and he listens to this kind of music. It's not of the devil, perhaps, um, mm. that sort of thing. Um, and I think also there's, a, there's wisdom in being discerning about where that objection is coming from as well. There's a big difference between the younger, faithful, earnest believer whose conscience is troubled by alcohol out of a sincere desire to be um, wise and and sober and faithful and following Jesus and, and living above reproach and saying, even if my conscience is at liberty per, to partake in alcohol, I'm going to choose to to lay that aside um, for, for the good and the um, the interest of my brother who's who feels strongly about that right now and and that's that seems wise and prudent for his walk at at this stage in his his discipleship there's a big difference between that kind of um, objection to a liberty of conscience issue and the kind of the the snobby legalistic imposing of um, I've discovered a higher way of living in my kale and quinoa and look down on you you meat-eating neanderthal um there's something right about pushing back on that that type of objection and saying hey like i found this freedom in christ and i'm not gonna let um i'm not gonna let fear of of your objection and your condemnation um have have sway and control over these decisions right now because um, really kind of what you're putting forward is not a not an objection of conscience but more kind of a false gospel that that wholeness in life is found in something other than Jesus and and the freedom that he brings yeah I think it's also equally as problematic to um, you know to say I you know I drink my craft beer and smoke my cigars don't be such a stick in the mud you legalist like just just kind of assuming that um, or, or even having the perspective that someone whose conscience differs than yours means that they're a stick in the mud, or means necessarily that they're a legalist. Like they, they could have legitimate right. hesitations around those issues because, you know, for, for a million different reasons. Someone in their family was an alcoholic, someone died of lung cancer, you know. It's, we need to be very careful to assume things about others when it comes to matters of conscience and be quick to hear and understand and be quick to lay aside our freedoms and our rights for the sake of our brothers and sisters. And it's even dangerous to be quick to jump to the conclusion that because they have that difference in the uh, area of, of conscience, that it means they're the weaker brother. There's probably a lot of wisdom and imprudence in, in some of our fellow brothers and sisters who are abstaining from a lot of things that we might not particularly think are hard and fast, um, necessary objections, but they probably do so for a lot of wise and and prudent reasons that we would would benefit from considering and thinking deeper on and and wondering if if a if we could grow in a greater devotion by similarly putting aside some of those type of things that's good that's really good that's a really good point 
Now, if you are interested in reading more about this, there's a really helpful book called Conscience by uh, Andrew Nacelli and some other guy, I can't remember his name. Um, you can get the book. Uh, I, I listened to the audiobook and listened to it in like four hours. It's a really fantastic, really helpful little book that has tons of wisdom in how to navigate these gray areas. Everything from what you eat and drink to the media that you consume to thinking about schooling for your children to thinking about modesty and dress and thousands of other things. Uh, it's a really helpful little book. I would recommend it to you. And I would encourage you to go read Romans chapter 14, where Paul at length kind of describes this issue, you know, as it relates to, to eating food and as it relates to this particular church. Uh, any, any other final things you guys would like to comment on before we land the plane? Um, just reinforcing the point that um, liberty of conscience is something that's been bought by the blood of Christ. Like it's actually a privilege, something that's been given to us. Um, mm. It comes out of the fact that we've been freed from the law. Um, you know, we're free from that. We know ultimately our assurance is found in Christ alone. And so to be able to have freedom of conscience isn't just a, well, duh, dummy. Like, of course you have freedom of conscience to figure out. No, it's actually like a gift that's given mm. to us. And it, it comes out of our assurance in the gospel. That's good. That's really good. That's and, really good. and likewise, the, the end goal of those freedom of conscience issues is the same as the end goal of those black and white moral considerations, which is glorifying God and, and honoring um, the character of God and the person of Jesus because we've been, been bought by the blood of Christ. Um, so the end goal is not figuring out where's the do not cross line and, and kind of walking up to the edge of it without, without crossing the line. But in all of those areas, the, we, have, we have freedom of conscience and we have, we're compelled to obedience um, in order that we might discern what, what does God desire, what's the best that he has for us based on how he's created us, um, and, then, and then run hard after that in whichever direction it takes us. That's good. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you coming on.